What if I told you that you were about to listen to another wrestling podcast? Are you ready? This is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Join us as we take you through the ins and outs and everything you need to know in the world of professional wrestling. From NXT to Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Elite Wrestling, all the way to the main events of the WWE. Our thoughts, our perspective, and our predictions on the biggest topics and breaking news in the world of wrestling. If it's happening, we're talking about it. This is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Here are your hosts, Sean McChesney and CJ Palmasano. All right, let's get to it. Episode number... Yes, 35. 35. No, I didn't. I was just putting an emphasis on it. Of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast, Sean McChesney. We're your hosts. A lot of wrestling to get to this week, CJ. A lot of things we need to review. A lot of things we need oh, to bitch at personally. Boy. I'm just going to come right I out can't wait. I hope you guys um, can't so, wait for my rant on Seth Rollins and Prey Wyatt. So, we'll, we'll touch on that. We'll start with that. But before we do, we'll kind of review what we'll discuss today. We have uh, Raw and SmackDown to discuss. We are going to review the draft. Uh, we'll touch on NXT a little bit. We'll touch on... Uh, the first three weeks of AEW, what they have planned uh, this week for week four in Pittsburgh. Uh, a lot of stories that came out over the last week in pro wrestling. But CJ, we're going to get right into it. Uh, before we even get into the draft, let's just go into the last segment we saw on Raw I need a, last I need Monday night. I, I, just take it, CJ. Just take it. I, I don't even know what to say. Just take it. living effing hell. Like, <sighs> I saw this. And I thought to myself, what the hell are they doing? Okay, cool. They're ending with a Firefly Funhouse segment. But we haven't seen Seth Rollins all night. And then he gets in the Firefly Funhouse. The Firefly Funhouse, from what we were meant to understand as fans, is that it's a place that nobody can find. That it's like, you know... There's also like theories of, oh, what if it's just all in Bray's head? What if this is all in Bray's head and he's really just the fiend? You know, there are all these theories that he could put into. But no, it's just some backstage segment that anybody can find. And then Rollins comes in and just starts beating him up. And he's an almost childlike Bray, uh, innocently, as, as Bray Wyatt, not the fiend. But he's like, Seth, what are, you, what are you doing? And then they attacks him. And then they start brawling. And then he throws Wyatt and then just looks in the camera and goes, burn it down. <laughs> he didn't actually laugh, but... And then he burns down the Firefly Funhouse. If this was meant to be a double turn, good job. But it wasn't. This was honestly meant to get Seth Rollins over as a babyface and Bray Wyatt as a heel. Does everybody remember what happened before WrestleMania 33? 
when Randy Orton burned down Bray Wyatt's actual house, not his actual house, but the character Bray Wyatt's house, I thought in that moment that we had seen a double turn, that Randy Orton had turned heel and Bray Wyatt had finally turned babyface. No, it's the same thing again. We're getting a heel Bray Wyatt and a babyface Seth Rollins. And we're honestly meant to boo the Fiend. We're honestly meant to boo the Fiend when Seth Rollins is the one who's been a dick this whole time. We're honestly meant to boo the Fiend when Seth Rollins has done nothing to really get anybody behind him as a babyface. He was willing to go down, run down, sprint down the ring to make sure that he's a captain of Team Hogan, which he no longer is. But he wasn't willing to go down and save Rey Mysterio and Dominic after he said he was so disgusted by Brock Lesnar's actions. We are meant to believe that Seth Rollins is a good guy, that he's a cool, fun guy. No, Seth Rollins is not cool. The character of Seth Rollins is not cool. And a part of this is that you may misinterpret that this is on Seth Rollins himself. For his booking, no, it's not not necessarily how he himself outside of interviews, um, yeah, he's he doesn't come off as the best. I mean, have you, Sean, have you seen like the, some of the things he said in recent months? Like, like there was the whole thing with Will Osprey on Twitter, and then he was like taking shots at John Moxley. Oh, like, he's come across as a horrible person. Yeah, like at least when like Roman was on top, people booed Roman. But Roman knows how to like carry himself in interviews, and he knows how to say the right things. Seth doesn't. Seth just like. He doesn't think. He's got no filter. He just blah, blah, just says whatever the hell he wants. So, right. before I, I make this rant too long about Bray Wyatt and, the, and uh, Seth Rollins, it goes back to what we were saying. Um, actually, no, to what Joe and I was saying. That I don't know what it is about WWE when they get behind somebody as the top guy. They just, they just take everything away that's great about them. I mean, again, I mentioned Seth Rollins a year ago with, yeah. like, just about everybody loves Seth Rollins, and he was putting on some of the best matches in the entire company and some of the best matches uh, in of the year last year, you know? He had great tag matches with Ambrose against McIntyre and Ziggler. He had great IC title matches with Ziggler. Um, he had that gauntlet match last year. You know, he won the IC title twice. He was, won the Royal Rumble. He won the Royal Rumble, well, this past year. But, but I mean, earlier this year. But, but yes, like... Rollins, I think up until after the rumble, after the rumble is when things started to go down for Seth. They really started to go down when, like, he with the feud with Corbin. Yeah, I would agree with that. I wouldn't say after the rumble. I would say we started seeing signs after the rumble. That's what I mean. Obviously, going into WrestleMania, we all you know were rooting for you know him against Lesnar, and we were there to see it live. The match was pretty good. It was quick, but it was meant to be quick. Obviously, it was Lesnar Rollins, um, and then we were like, well, where do we go from here? But you're right. The Baron Corbin feud right after Mania, or no, I'm sorry, right after uh, Money in the Bank when. Uh, him and Styles were done. That's where it really went downhill. I guess they didn't keep going with Styles because I think they turned heel not too long after that. Well, he also got hurt. Styles didn't he get hurt for a bit? Like he was out. He was off TV for a month. I don't remember that to be honest. Well, you remember he was off TV, and then Extreme Rules comes around. Ricochet wins the U.S. title, and then we see the re- the reuniting of the club. Huh. 
I don't know. I, I just so, thought they didn't have anything for AJ at the time. I thought I read something he got hurt. I could be wrong, but yeah, he was off TV after Money in the Bank, and he didn't come back until Extreme Rules. I don't remember that. And it wasn't even that long ago. But I think maybe because they want, they knew they wanted to turn AJ heel, so that's probably why they didn't go with. Stuff. But but anyway, but but hearing that in my mouth, it's that makes all the more sense to keep having AJ feud with Seth if he wants if they want Seth to be a babyface. Right. I don't know. I mean. I don't get... Maybe they wanted somebody important for the U.S. title. I don't, I don't know. So, what do you make of this? I thought it sucked. I understand their intention. I understand what they were trying to do. But like you said, they've tried it before. It didn't work the first time with Orton. It's not working now. Um, this would have been fine, like you said, if there was a double turn. Because when I first saw it, I thought... This could be interesting. Maybe they're doing something. Maybe there's a possibility of a double turn. Uh, what we're seeing, what we saw on social media this week with the rumors of it not being true. And obviously, I'm not even watching Raw, but I can only imagine what's going on. Um, it, they're not doing that. And again, like I said, they tried this three years ago. It didn't work. It didn't work last week either. The best thing on Raw, they just destroyed for no reason. They, they, there was no reason to do it. And not to mention, there's no reason to have this rematch with Bray on SmackDown. Oh, and the other thing that really angers me about this title match, CJ, they have changed it to the referee cannot stop this match false under count, any circumstances. So that means the false Fiend is going to lose. The match cannot be stopped for any reason. And yes, that means Bray Wyatt yep. is going to lose. because. Which means we might as well just throw this character just, out and start over. Like, you think with that amazing debut he had at SummerSlam. The re-debut. Like, maybe the best re-debut of any wrestler. And that could be a little over-exaggerating, but in my memory, the, I think that is the best. It's just... It was it was damn it's near one of... perfect what they did. What he did. And everything leading up to it was mm -hmm. perfect, too. Like... For, for literally four weeks, CJ, from when... Actually, maybe even longer, because I'm not sure how long it was from the debut of Firefly Funhouse to him actually coming back and attacking Finn. But add all that, too, all the way to SummerSlam, it was perfect. They ruined it at Night of Champions, in my opinion. Because may, maybe they did it right there, but that's where it all went downhill for Bray. Well, when he when he reemerged at Night of Champions to attack sorry, Seth, that's where it started. No, 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 you're right. It, it got worse at Hell in a Cell, but it all started at Night of Champions because you and I both said, as interesting as this match is going to be, and maybe they're putting the title on Bray, which is a great thing, but the thi we still thought it was too soon. Now we know they but have that's no the thing. plans Bray is on SmackDown whatsoever. now. So you're going to put the Raw right. title on the SmackDown guy? No, it, it's they're not going to do that. I mean, unless exactly. it's a thing of like... The only thing I can see working is if they add another stipulation, or in the match they say loser goes to SmackDown. I if they did that, then that's one way they can save this. But I don't see that happening because after. But that seems but, so abrupt too. It's like, I, I know it doesn't make it, much it just sense. Doesn't make sense. But I, I also saw that. A lot of people in the draft were placed on this. Like, if you if they were in a relationship or married or whatever, they were placed on the same brand. Like, Alistair Black and Selena Vega, Becky and Seth, Carmella and 
Corey, Corey Graves, Charlotte and Andrade, ex- like they're Charlotte all placed on the same brands because they didn't want to separate any couples, which is fu- which is all well and good. So you're thinking there's a chance Bray can go back if, to Raw? If he wins the Universal title, then yeah, I think that's what it should be. I, I think it should be. They've done this a million times. They they they've they've had rules in place for like, oh, if you win this title, you go to that brand, or oh, if you win, if uh, this person from that brand wins that title, then they take that title of that brand. Remember, like when Bobby Lashley got drafted to Raw, however many years ago, and he was ECW champion, and then Coachman came out and says, well, the ECW title belongs to ECW, yeah. so you're gonna have to. Play. But then, like a few years, right? I also remember. I remember a few years back too, where Chris Jericho and Kevin yep. Owens fought and the US title. There and was Jericho like won. He had a few to go years to later after that draft, I mentioned Lashley, like world champions like Triple H were going to Smack. Like, like he was WWE champion and he went to SmackDown, and he took the title to SmackDown. So it's just like you, they can right. obviously do whatever the hell they want, but for whatever reason they like to pick really ridiculous stipulations. If they did a thing where it's like loser, like you know. If if Bray wins, right. then he has to. Then he goes back to Raw. I hope that's the case. But at this point, I have very very low expectations, and I don't think Bray's gonna win the title. I agree. If you know what, CJ, if that was the beginning, if that was when they announced it, right? So if they say Universal Title Match, Falls Count Anywhere, The Fiend versus Seth Rollins, if Bray wins, he must go back to Raw. I'd be fine with it because it's like, okay, now we have a chance at this. Now we have a chance to save this. I have no problem with him being the Universal Champion. I think it's too soon, but I have no problem with it. But that's the only way this thing gets saved because he's not winning the Universal title to stay on SmackDown unless they're coloring the thing blue and Brock goes to no, Raw tomorrow. Not. It's not Very happening. Quickly, though. Um, uh, Britt Baker just liked my tweet. Yeah, my AEW. Oh, yeah, nice. my AEW grab bag. Uh, I, I I had gotten a uh, Cody's nice. Thronebreaker. The doctor will see you and M- Nick and Matt Jacksonville. It was like three random shirts, and yeah, Britt Baker just liked it. Sweet. Good for you. Thank you. I was hoping I get. Remember when Dustin Rhodes liked our tweet? Yes, Dustin Rhodes did like our tweet for our podcast. Exactly. That was we like the Dustin's highest... back. Who does his benefit? And the first like on that tweet was Dustin Rhodes. It was like, is this a Every... like? Cody versus Dustin was announced. Is this a good idea? Yes or no? Like it was like a hundred. It was like I think it was like it was like ninety percent yes, ten like percent yeah, no. Yeah, it was like four hundred uh, votes. And by the way, we didn't even tag. No, him. we didn't. We it, it, that was re- found that was it. just really cool. I love that. I remember you texted me that. I think we did a hashtag, but we definitely didn't. No, tag we him. didn't. We didn't at him. We didn't tag him. We may have ta- hashtagged it like Cody versus Dustin or Double or Nothing or something. But yeah, but. Definitely did not tag Dustin, and that was really cool. Anyway, we'll get to AEW, AEW awesome. a little later. I just wanted to share that real quickly. That uh, Brit, Brit yeah. Baker But anyway, um, but yeah, I agree with you, CJ. I really think there's no way out of how bad this is going to be. And the only way I think that they could save it is if they do announce in the next tonight or next week on Raw that if Bray wins, he has to go back to Raw and represent them as the champion. But if we don't hear of that, I mean, Fox this thing really lobbied to try and get Bray on SmackDown, and. I don't know. Which I'm fine with, but what credibility does he have left if he loses yeah, to Seth? Yeah, that just really hurts his character. And exactly. And what's he going to do? Go after Brock next? Not a chance. Sense. And I was really hoping no. that we'd get 
Bray as Universal Champion by now, and then we'd see Brock versus The Fiend at a Survivor Series. But for whatever reason, they just they just keep dropping the ball on Bray Wyatt, and I don't get why. I'd ask for my release tomorrow if I were him, honestly. And I know he's not going to get it, but I'd be so fed up at this point, CJ, I'd just ask for my release of the company. Yeah, well, for whatever reason, Bray Wyatt is still kicking, and he's still, you know, persevering and all that. But, yeah. And you have to give him yeah. his credit, too, CJ, because he pulled off this it's character so well. He, he's... Even in the beginning, even in the beginning where we were like, eh, I don't know, but then maybe the next week on Raw, we were like, okay, this is a little interesting. And then when he debuted as The Fiend, we were well, like, this is awesome. call you out on that. I was all for this character when it first happened. You were the one who was skeptical. Oh, no, no, I, I have no doubt. Oh, no, no, I, I have no doubt. I was. And if I misspoke, I apologize, but I'll admit it here. Yes, I was skeptical in the beginning, but I quickly got on board. Because I thought it was really cool, like, how he was just being all demented and just... You know, ooh, Claymore kick. Sorry, I'm watching wrong. Well, because I remember when the, when the character first was introduced and it was all fun and happy or whatever, and I said, the only way I'm going to get on board with this is if we start to see a dark side very we soon. Did. And sure enough, a few weeks later, he, we did. Was, and that's when I, was, I started to get excited and for it. And what I love about Bray Wyatt's character, exactly. or characters, whatever he's doing, it's always him. Like, he is the one who came up with that character. But for whatever reason, right. Vince always wants to put like spooky voodoo, like oh, you're, you're no one gets you, you're, you're, you're mysterious. Like I don't get why he has to add that. I really don't. Like a cult leader is like right. such the simplest thing to book, and they've messed and they messed that up with the Wyatt family. The fiend character is just so easy to book. He's just a guy who is. He's like it's a monster heel push, really. It's just you, you put him against guys who are on the upper mid card side, maybe low lower on the top of the card. Like Joe made a great example, saying like you know a guy like Kofi Kingston is a prime example for someone like Bray Wyatt. If you want to bring Kofi down, if you want to bring Kofi down a peg, you now. can feed him to the fiend, which which is great, you know. Yeah. But I I think that. Bray Wyatt is uh, gonna need a lot of rebuilding when it comes to um, to this, and I mean we we already think that the Fiend's gonna lose, and he shouldn't have uh, he shouldn't he's he's only right, but you know how these you know how these Saudi Arabia shows work they're glorified house shows. I highly doubt that they will put the title on Bray at at the show. I highly doubt that they'll put the title on him at all at this point. No. I, I agree. I, I doubt it a thousand percent. Um, let's move on real quick. Oh, let's Jesus. talk about the draft in general. Um, very I, over. I, I don't know what. I'm sorry. I, very underwhelming. Actually, if you no, ask I me. hated the, the the Wyatt Rollins thing more than I hated how the draft came came out. Yeah, I mean, there were there were some pros and cons for really. I, I mean, again, I thought it was very underwhelming. There were some good spots in it. Uh, mostly, it wasn't that entertaining. Um, CJ, real quick though, before we kind of separate them into, into different uh, topics, what was your thoughts overall on the draft? It was very underwhelming, like you said. It was clearly not planned well at all, like most things in WWE. Um, it was just, it, it didn't make much sense. Like you had people who were drafted to a brand. When they were already, they were already when they were al- yeah, when they were already on. 
Drew McIntyre to Raw. He was already on Raw. Becky Lynch to Raw. She was already on Raw. Roman Reigns to SmackDown. He was already on SmackDown. Seth Rollins to Raw. He was already on Raw. Brian to SmackDown. Like, what the hell are you doing? It right. doesn't make any it sense. One thing, it was one thing in like 2016 because that's when they got rid of the, the whole brand supremacy thing. 2016, it was a fresh start. They were, they were, they were all free agents. That was different. But this is like, you're right. I mean, you know, put the wild card rule aside. They were still separate brands for three years. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, we're, we're just going to draft our, you know, regular people. Like Natalia, too. First of all, the USA Network boardroom getting excited for Natalia being drafted to Raw. With, was just, I was just so confused about that. I'm like, you're getting excited for Natalia. Th- That's And I cool. think we were watching, I was watching Raw live when, uh, last week, talking about, um, you know, talking about, uh, the Raw boardroom getting excited for, for our truth. Like, are you kidding me? You're excited for our truth. That's ri- that's ridiculous. Right. I, <laughs> I I don't understand it, and I hated the, those boardroom things so much. Like you had that, you had they that big guy dressed up. His face was painted like the Ultimate Warrior. And I'm like, what the hell? The Ultimate Warrior, really? Like, and and, and we're supposed to take these. These people from Fox and USA seriously, and this guy is painted up like the ultimate freaking warrior. We're supposed to take these seriously. Yeah, really. Like, I think looking at it, you look at Raw and the overall talent of the roster. Paul Heyman's got a lot of great talent to work with. It's it's tremendous. He's got Becky Lynch. He's got Charlotte Andrade. Alistair Black, Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, uh, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre. He's got a plethora of talent on Raw, and that's great. But SmackDown was meant to be this huge deal that we were, it was going to be on Fox. It was supposed to be a huge deal that Fox was getting him, and they, they paid like billions of dollars for it, and we were meant to, it was supposed to be meant to be like more sports-based. When all the sports-based people went to, went to Raw... Who went to SmackDown? Look, the only people on SmackDown, you got Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, Shinsuke Nakamura, The Revival, uh, Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar, Cain Velasquez, I would assume, is there. Rey Mysterio went to Raw. Well, Brock will be there four times a year. exactly. So I'm just like, it doesn't make much sense to me. You got more of the sports entertainment-esque wrestlers with, like, maybe a handful of sports-esque wrestlers, like Brian and Nakamura. And I guess you could throw the Revival in there, too, but they they borderline between, like, sports entertainment and and pro wrestling. But, um... Excuse me. I just find that uh, ridiculous, you know? I mean, no, I'm I'm totally with you on that, and you and I had that conversation make much sense to me. Uh, last week where we when in the draft wasn't even no, over. No, and I think SmackDown kind of became the more yeah the draft wasn't casual even casual viewing wrestling fan show to watch rather than Raw yeah. being more of the hardcore wrestling fan show. That's that's just what I don't get. Right, you put all this work in, and this is what we got. For well, 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 hype. I don't want to say yeah, work. Yeah, I mean, I'll say hype. again, you and I had this conversation last week about it too. I mean, I right. think it it was just too predictable. Anyway. The draft. It was too predictable, and we 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 expected a lot, and we really shouldn't expect much from these things. 
from WWE. We really should at this point. I said to Joe that if it wasn't for this podcast, that I probably wouldn't be keeping up with Raw and SmackDown. I would just be watching AEW and NXT, and I'd be a happy wrestling fan. And then I tune in every once in a while for the big shows like Survivor Series, SummerSlam, and WrestleMania, and Royal Rumble, you know, those shows, and I'd be happy. But, jeez. Like, I still have to keep up with Raw and SmackDown. I love that. I would be. I would be a happy wrestling fan if I only watched NXT and AEW. And then I could have time to... The, the time that I don't watch Probably. Johnson Back Down, I could fill that time with uh, like keeping up with more New Japan and maybe start watching Impact again. Well, not... Eh, I didn't really pay attention too much to Impact TNA that much, but maybe like pay attention to it, to it more, you know? Because now they're on Access. Right. Yeah, they have a great TV deal. Yeah. And we got an XFL quarterback. But I mean, you know what? And, and I... Card- oh, Cardell who? Jones. Cardell Jones? I don't know. He was good for 15 minutes at Ohio State. I'm not getting into this right now. I'm not doing it. This isn't your sports podcast. I thought that died. I mean, it didn't really die. <laughs> yeah, it died. Uh, maybe I'll bring it back. I'm just messing with you. Maybe I'll bring it back now that I have a, a more of a consistent schedule. Maybe I'll bring it back now. <laughs> the, give the people what we want. Give us what we want. I shouldn't say I shouldn't say it's an easy schedule. It's a consistent no, schedule. Two I different know. things. Anyway, um... But I agree with you. I mean, when it comes to the draft, um, it was predictable. I agree with you. And, and like you said, and we had this conversation last week where you put all the sports guys, basically, and sports women and guys on Raw, and you just leave the entertainers on SmackDown. Now, some of the picks, obviously, you, you had to be there. You had to have Lesnar on SmackDown. Yeah, that You're makes gonna sense. You're going to put it on Fox. You put Lesnar on SmackDown. I get that. But he's only going to be there five times a year. So you, you bring in Roman Reigns. All right, we knew that was going to happen. Uh, Bray Wyatt really was a surprise to me because of what him and Seth were doing, and, and now I just really hate it. But like you said, I mean, it was a predictable draft for the most part, and I'll give it its credit because there were some uh, decent spots of it. But here's one thing that I, I wanted to, to bring up with you, and it kind of ties into the, the Bailey heel turn, and we're going to get into it big time uh, for what happened on Ms. TV this week. But I want to get your thoughts on this. So, Sasha Banks returns in August to feud with Becky Lynch. You you would think that at some point she's going to be the women's champion. Now she's on SmackDown with Bayley, who is also the SmackDown women's champion, and they're both two of the biggest heels on SmackDown. How is this going to make sense? Um, I honestly think that their saving grace is going to be Lacey Evans because they turned her babyface out of nowhere on Monday, last Monday, and they're probably going to set up for a big push. And that's ridiculous, too. Um, well, where does this where does this leave Sasha and Bailey? Because now they're both heels. You don't expect Sasha to turn face anytime soon. You're, expect, not, you're not expecting Bailey to turn to face stay anytime in soon. For a while, I don't know how long this happens. I don't because it, they they're probably going to stay in alliance for a long time because Sasha just came back and turned heel, and then Bailey just had a redo on her heel turn. So it doesn't make much sense for any one of them to turn he, uh, turn back babyface for the next several months. Um, I mean, you have Nikki Cross, who just won the six-pack women's challenge last week, and she's going to be facing uh, Bailey. even though we kind of saw that match earlier this year, but the, the heel face dynamic is switched up, so it could be interesting. Oh, excuse me. Um, yeah. There's also... Sorry. There's also uh, Carmella. I mean, she could be interesting as, as an opponent for Bailey, but... Uh, to me, SmackDown doesn't have that big, 
babyface that it needs. Like, I feel like Becky over there would have been really good. She's the biggest. She's the biggest star of the women's division. You have Charlotte, who, granted, I prefer Charlotte as a heel, but she can play a really good babyface too, and she's a proven draw. She's proven like man, like she's she's like a huge deal. So both of the but both of them are on Raw now. And you figure now Charlotte's gonna stay a heel. No, I've I, eh, well. Well, you saw what she did last week. Charlotte's in the tweener category for me. That's where I have her right now. Like it's not like. It's not like after she turned heel at Survivor Series and you're like, oh, well, maybe she's a tweener, maybe she's not. No, she was a straight-up heel when she turned on Ronda. Uh, this one is a little of... I'm kind of still in the middle. I'm not really sure where this one's going. Okay. I mean, I don't know. It's just... Uh, I don't even know who the top heel um, would be for the women's division on Raw. Uh, who, who would that even be? I would assume it would be Charlotte if they're going to push that direction, but I'm not sure right now. Uh, if that's the case, if that's not the case, then I don't know who it is. I mean, Oscar. See, the the idea of they're going to push Oscar as the top heel. Number one, she's in a tag team right now. Um, now, however, I will say this: her her run in NXT at the very end, she played the heel against Amber Moon, and she did it very well. So. I'll give her that credit where maybe if they are going to maybe split up this tag team down the line, they are going to push her against Becky Lynch at the top heel on Raw. Maybe there's something there because we have seen some glimmer of it before, but I just don't know how we get there. That's all I'm trying to say. I don't either. Um, sorry, I just scratched my under the chin, and that's probably going to get picked up in the frequency. Okay. Um, so... I don't know, man. I just feel like again, this 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 whole draft was not planned out well at all, and your heel babyface dynamic is very uneven when it comes to the women's side of things. Yep. And I honestly thought that uh, that they were gonna do Liv Morgan on SmackDown as the top babyface. She went to Raw. Well, in the middle of us recording, she went to Raw. We were talking about how she, yeah. how she could potentially. So uh, so there so there goes that philosophy. And I thought that was an amazing idea. I figured like she'd be the right person to be the top baby face on SmackDown, but they put her on Raw. Yep. What can you do? Now it'll probably be Carmella. Uh, or Naomi when she comes back. I honestly think it's going to be Lacey Evans and it's going to be a failed experiment. I'm being, I'm, being, I'm more on the pessimistic side of things here. Oh my god. Because I honestly, because that was her baby face turn. That was her no, baby you're face probably turn. Right. That's her, them justifying her being on SmackDown. Yeah. Right. But no, you're right. In all honesty, it should be Ember Moon. Ember Moon should be the top baby face on SmackDown, but she's uh, yeah. currently in. They, they, they no, nev- they've never God. booked her right. Not on the main roster. Not on the main roster. Yeah, main roster. She was not. She's not booked well at all. No, and and that's unfortunate. No. And, and that's unfortunate she was consistently booked well, really like is. her first year on the main roster. Like she wasn't like on pay per views, but she was having matches every week, and she was winning majority of them. I think things started to go downhill for her when she lost the battle royal right. in Evolution last year. Like, like you, when we gave our predictions last year, like you said, Nia Jax, and I said Amber Moon, and they, they were the la- <laughs> they were the last two in the battle royal. 
Yeah, and then she played the bait for Nia Jax's heel turn, and that's really where it went downhill for her. And you thought when she uh, got put on SmackDown for the Superstar Shakeup, and then had that feud, that small feud with Bailey for the title, you thought that maybe this was her way back up, um, and it wasn't. Kind of like how, like when they ruined Asuka after WrestleMania last year, they put her on SmackDown, they had nothing for, her, and then they revived her character uh, in December of last year. And it was a great wake-up call for her, and then they killed the character again right before WrestleMania. Women who aren't the four horsewomen or Alexa Bliss. That's that's plain and simple. They don't know how to book other women. That's why I think we need to just get the fatal four-way match over with. And I said this last week. Get the match at Mania over with so we can start focusing on the other women now. Uh, because I'm getting tired of it now. Because like you said, they do nothing but focus on the four of them. Now, get, don't get me wrong. They're four of the top in the division. But and, and to me, CJ, until we get this match at Mania out of the way, they're going to be the vocal point going forward. And you have... Women's wrestlers like Carmella and Liv Morgan and, you know, as, as much as I don't want to say it, Lacey Evans um, and, and all of these women that deserved a chance, they're not going to get it until we get this match out of the way. Yeah, you got a point. It's um, it's a shame because um, some of my favorite women on the roster, you know, other than... I, I, I don't like the four horsewomen. They're, they're great. But, you know, Asuka is really great. Kyrie Sane is great. Ember Moon is great. You got a lot of great other women on the roster who really deserve a proper rub, but they're not getting it for whatever reason. Um, I get booking, uh, keeping, you know, because they are stars and you do want to make them look good, but at the same time, they're not going to be here forever. Right. And you need to build other women around the roster. It's plain and simple. I um, remember... Um... Last year at Radio Row, I was listening to an interview on Sirius XM. Charlotte was on uh, one of the channels that I work for. Um, and they discussed how basically she is living uh, her brother's wrestling dream through her. And they discussed at one point, they were like, you know, you're, li you're living your brother's dream, but at some point, is this something that you, that you want to do for you, or are you still doing this for your brother? And she kind of tiptoed around the question a little bit, but it made it sound like that she's still doing it for her brother, not so much for herself. So it makes me wonder how much longer Charlotte is going to be here. I'm not saying she's going to retire tomorrow, but it does make me uh, think that there's a chance that she might not be here in a couple of years. I wouldn't necessarily say that. She's still, like, she's in her prime, Charlotte, and she's one of, if not the best female wrestler in the world. Like, she, oh, no doubt. she is absolutely amazing, and no matter how, you know, bored you might get of Charlotte and, of, and Becky with a feud or something, but she is for sure, like, the best thing she's she's freaking awesome man i mean her dad's rick flair oh, no no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that i know I'm I'm, i know you're not i'm just i know what you're saying that you know we're not sure playing to my point that we don't know that, that these women are not going to be around forever that's the point i understand you're making and they right. need to build around other women in the division another great and yet very underrated women woman on the roster and i can't believe i forgot about her sonia deville Sonya oh Deville God. is awesome, man. Can we get her a singles like, push? I want to see Sonya and Shayna Baszler. I want to see Sonya take on... Uh, she faced Oscar, right? Sonya. I'm pretty sure she did. But that but that feud wasn't done well. Sonya and... Yeah, well, that, that wasn't pushed to the moon as best no. as it could have been. That was basically... One of those matches right before WrestleMania. That was one of those where it's like, all right, Asuka's going to face Charlotte at Mania, but her streak is still on the line in the weeks going forward where Charlotte didn't have to wrestle at all. 
I'm pretty sure this happened this past year. Well, it also happened this year. I'm just going back a few years of like, because they have wrestled a, a couple of times Did before, they? too. Yeah, I can't even remember. I'll take your My I'll, point I'll is, yes, you're right. They they have wrestled before. It's just they haven't pushed it to the moon like they really yeah. can. I understand your point. But right. there's great women on the roster. Okay. Just use them, you know? You give them the ball, and they will, they will roll. They, you know, just give them a chance. Yep. That's it. But like I said, they're not going to get that chance until we get this match out of the way and get it over with. And the match will be good. Don't get me wrong. It will be. But, again, until we get it, Carmella's not going to get the push that, you know, she probably deserves. Sonya Deville isn't going to get the push she deserves. We're not going to see Liv Morgan get pushed to the top babyface on Raw or SmackDown. We're not going to get any of that until we get this over with. And it sucks that I'm saying until we get it over with. Because, again, like I said, I think the match will be great. But it's just one of those things of until it happens, you're not going to see these women get pushed like they should. I'll bring a question to you. Who do you think will be the, or who would you, who would you think or flash and or who would you like to go the furthest in the draft? As in like who gets the biggest push coming out of the draft? Who would you like to see and who do you think? They could be one and the same or they could be two different ones. Is it? Are we still on the women's just, division, just or are we talking general. about anybody? Um, the one I want to see specifically with the biggest play—that's a tough question because honestly, when you think about it, the ones that I'm really thinking about have already been pushed: Becky Lynch, Seth Rollins. Could we could we put him down a notch? Honestly, um, Bray Wyatt—I don't know what they're doing with. Um, Brock will be on TV for maybe five more minutes this year at least. Just think about um, like like guys if, who. Oh, I'm totally forgetting Drew okay. McIntyre. Easy, very easy. Good pick. Uh, very good. I, I think from what I'm seeing on Raw, he's clearly getting back up there, getting a big push. Uh, for me, I want it to be, and I think it is going to be Aleister Black. I think Aleister well, Black. Too. Uh, he was one of my favorite things in NXT at the time, and he is completely different than what we see in most days in most like wrestlers we see today just not just in how his look but in his move set uh, fluidness in the ring character we've seen similar uh, similar things to it like we've it's it's he's definitely got an undertaker type of vibe but he's still very much his own thing and um, right I love that he's on Raw because Paul Heyman can work with him. And Heyman can really help. Uh, not that I don't think Alistair Black cuts bad promos. He cuts he gets good promos, but I think he could even learn even more under the tutelage of Paul Heyman. Uh, just, right. again, Alistair Black, he's he's freaking awesome. And I really want to see a, a, a match between him and Bray Wyatt, but when they're both properly built well... You know, I, I would. Oh, good I, luck with that. I know. <laughs> I would. I would just love to see. Uh, uh, I would love to see Black in the title picture at Mania next year. You know, like whoever the champion is, whether it's Seth. I'd Rollins. love to see him win the Rumble. Yeah, I, I. I just whether it's Seth Rollins or if it's you know, uh, on Raw, Randy Orton. Hey, hey, Orton and Orton and Black are on Raw now. 
Yeah, there were there were rumors of those two at Mania next year for for a championship. Because because um, here's here's something. What if what if they're just like you know what this whole thing with Seth just ain't working out, and at the December pay per view, because if they're gonna do SmackDown versus I'm sorry, yeah SmackDown versus Raw at Survivor Series, then it's not really gonna work out too much if they're they're not. Gonna, which December would be TLC. Didn't they didn't they get rid of that? I don't think they got rid of it. They always move it from October to December every couple of years. It really it really pisses me okay. off. And anyway, because um, that pa- to me TLC is a December yeah. pay per view. That pay per view. Let's say Rollins and Orton ignite their feud again. The roles are reversed. Which sign me up. The roles are reversed. Orton is the heel. Rollins is the babyface. Even though it's hard to call Seth the babyface these days. Orton beats Rollins for the title. And at Mania, you get Black versus Orton for the Universal title, and Black wins the Royal Rumble. And Black beats Orton. It puts him right. over huge because he's up against a guy like Randy Orton, who is everybody, just about anybody, everybody knows who Randy Orton is. If you're familiar with wrestling, you're familiar with the name Randy Orton. And also, when you bring that point up, CJ, don't forget, honestly, because the minute that you think... Randy Orton's lost a step. He's lost his touch. Um, he's he's out of the game. The minute you think that, he reinvents himself and becomes something so much better. So I absolutely agree with you on that. But Orton's best is something he's really fun to watch. He really is. Yeah, you go back to the to the Kofi Kingston feud. Reinvented his character. He, made, he literally the they brought the storyline back. The Kofi feud was just pretty much AJ Samoa Joe 2.0, just hitting the reset button. It's just like. Yeah, but you know what? It was good. Actually, you know what? Let me go back a little further. How about Randy and Jeff Hardy? The Randy Jeff Hardy feud, yeah, that was good. I like that. Uh, Randy and AJ. Right. So Randy, Randy AJ Orton comes. So yeah, so he and and the AJ feud was good too. But the Randy and Jeff feud, I remember. Randy comes back from injury, turns heel, and you're thinking, oh great, we get another Randy Orton heel turn. But he became so sadistic. It's like I was watching him from ten years ago. It was perfect. So I think if you push Randy Orton again, if you say, hey, listen, the whole Seth thing isn't working out, we're going to put the title on you, but we need to make this convincing. We need that sadistic Randy Orton back. I think you can get it within 30 seconds, to be completely honest with you. I absolutely agree with you on that. I'd love to see that I think you again. can have like really good mean streaks from both Orton and Black, and that that's, that's, one, that's one of your marquee matches for Mania next year. I mean, you're putting over a new guy huge, and you still have a main event player a top guy like Randy Orton in the mix. And you can have... Not to mention, I'd, I'd love for him to sell the Black Mass. I can't wait to see that. I would just love to see, like, uh, Black kick out of an RKO. Because nobody kicks out of an RKO anymore. Out of nowhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we've given our thoughts on main roster, WWE. I think we've kind of... What we think should right. be changed. They probably won't be changed, but... I think we kind of discussed that. Um, I guess moving on to uh, AEW and NXT. AEW! Um, NXT, uh, to be honest, I don't know too much what happened. I know the gist of what happened. I know that we're going to be get uh, the Undisputed Era beat up uh, Velveteen Dream. They uh, took his sunglasses. <laughs> Roddy Strong took his sunglasses. Uh, Champa came back and had his first match since his uh, injury. And he beat Angel Garzon, Garzon, whatever his name is. Garzon. Garzon okay. I think. So he beat him. 
it was just a quick, it was a quick, uh, not necessarily a squash match because Garza, because Angel got, uh, he got some good offense in there against Champa, and he and he looked pretty good in the match. But ultimately, Champa won. It was to make Champa look good. Era come down. Kyle O'Reilly gives a USB flash drive to uh, Mauro Ronaldo, and then when they come back from commercial break, they show that the Velveteen Dream was beaten up. William Regal uh, instead. Uh, the rubber match between Dijakovic and Keith Lee, he made that. Uh, the winner of that match will face uh, Roderick Strong for the, for the I almost said Universal, uh, for the uh, North American title the following week. Strong gets involved later on the night, and Regal gets pissed, and he puts in a triple threat match instead. Which, that looks like a lot <laughs> of fun to watch. Strong, Keith Lee, and Dijakovic. Um... I'm just really be. happy that Keith Lee is getting a proper shake on NXT now. He's a guy on NXT who is just so, so underrated, and he was doing nothing for a long time. He hasn't even had a takeover match yet. Do you realize that? He does Actually, not I didn't even had know a takeover that. match. But now that I think he about hasn't. it, yeah, you're right. Um, I um, so so again. I'm happy for Keith Lee, and the matches him and Dijakovic have been putting on are absolutely insane. So I wouldn't mind a feud between Dijakovic and Keith Lee if it was for the uh, North American title. It doesn't need it, but because at the same time, I still really want Era to hold on to those titles forever, <laughs> like forever, like as long as they. I know it can't happen forever, but I want them to hold on to those titles for as long as they can. Because it's the it's the best, we were hoping right. for it all year. Um, it was it really. Oh, was. it was long overdue. Um, we're gonna be getting uh, the return of Finn Balor this coming week. Uh, he's gonna be returning to it for a match. Um, eventually they're gonna have to start uh, booking, uh, deciding what they. It's I think it's clear that they want to do Champa and Cole for the title. But the question right. is, Finn Balor is in there. Where does he play into all this? Well, that's the thing. At what point does Finn get involved I would in this? Th- like, do we do we have triple threat matches? Do we have Finn triple versus threat Cole ma- or Champa one Sorry, on one? Sorry, uh, cut you off. Triple Where threat we- matches in NXT don't necessarily happen too much, and they don't necessarily happen for the NXT title. I mean, before. Alistair Black got hurt at Brooklyn Four before Brooklyn Four last year. We were supposed to get Black, Champa, and Gargano, but um, right. What, what do you think is more likely that we're going to see if they're saving the match for Takeover War Games? Cole versus Champa, Cole versus Balor, or Cole versus Champa versus Balor? For me, I really see Champa versus Cole. I feel is so special. I wouldn't rush into it right away. I'd rather have the triple threat at War. It wouldn't be a bad match, but I think they're kind of leading more towards Champa and Cole, only because, only because. I agree. If if that's just my preference, I'd I'd rather hold off till the Rumble or Mania weekend, whatever you're gonna do there. No, we Um, talked about. Actually, I don't even think they're having last week. They're not having anymore. So I'd rather hold off till Mania, honestly. Yeah. I'd rather do Mania, to be honest with you. I'd rather not rush into this. But I, I, I understand your point. If we're going to get it at, at War Games, that's fine. Um, and I think they'll put on one hell of a match. They I'd just rather wait for put it. the title of Champa somewhere down the line. And then maybe you can do uh, Champa Gargano next year. And do it and do it right this time. 
Right, the, the last, last, the last ever, time ever match. But at least get... But at least get... Well, for a while, I think. Or do you, you not want to see DX versus DIY? Because you know Johnny Gargano keeps asking for it on Twitter. You know what I actually think is more likely going to happen? Because I just thought of this, and mentioning about Gargano said on NXT that he's like, Tommaso's back, I honestly... And I think it was Kathy Kelly who asked him, like, how do you feel about being back? Like, honestly, I don't know how I feel about Tommaso being back, and I won't really know until I see him. I think they're planting the seeds for yeah. DIY to get back together, and I think we're going to get DIY versus Red Dragon in a future uh, Undisputed Era, for, for those who are unfamiliar with Ooh. O'Reilly and Fish's indie days. Because we got that match in the Dusty Classic earlier this year, and we put that in our top 10 matches, uh, best matches of 2019 so far. But a feud between these two teams, oh my, it would be even better. Because I said last week that, I believe it was last better. week, that ERA is pretty much the entire NXT tag division. I mean, you still have teams in there, but like, you have Imperium, which I think are, uh, I can't even remember the other two guys' <laughs> names in Imperium right now. Well, the other the Street other half of tag division, you have Street Profits, Zango, and they just you went have off. Imperium, you have um, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, even though they don't really do much, but you have them. Um, you could have Trent Seven and uh, Tyler Bate, maybe, but I think they're more of an NXT UK staple. Um, but you could throw them in once in a while. They do it all the time. Yeah. Like they did it last year with uh, last summer with uh, uh, Era and uh, Bate and uh, Seven. We were there for that, for the for the for the blow off, for Brooklyn Four. Oh, it was so great. Um, that was a great match. But the thing is, they have, they really have to try and step up their tag team division because AEW is making a big, big importance of that. I mean, the tag team tournament so far, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Nothing short of fantastic. Um, I think one thing that NXT does have over AEW is the women's division. I think the women's division is a lot stronger in NXT than it is in AEW. It is, um, and I and I don't necessarily think that's a fault to anybody. I just think it's it's getting off the ground in AEW. I think it has the potential to be really good. Uh, but you're right. I mean, the women's division in AEW is great. Right I mean, you now have Britt Baker. You have uh, B. Priestley, Riho. Uh, Awesome Kong, Nyla Rose, uh, Aja Kong. She's in there somewhere, but I don't know where she's been. We haven't seen her since Fighter Fest. Um, what else we got on the AEW women's roster? Brandy, uh, Sadie Gibbs. Just off the top of my head, those are some of the women I know. I remember, but you know, NXT's got Shayna Baszler. It's got Candice LeRae. It's got Tegan Knox, uh, Dakota Kai. Diana Perrazzo, uh, Chelsea Green, uh, Rachel uh, Rachel Elring, uh, Mia Yim, Io Shirai, like, but Bianca Belair, a lot of great women on the roster. And again, I kind of lean more towards the NXT women's division rather than I do the AEW right. women's division. And like you said, it's really not necessarily a, a fault. It's just. We're learning a lot about these women. We really don't know too much about them with the AEW side. Right. And we will. 
And that's the thing. And again, it's not the fault of anybody. And we will get to know these women. It's just we, we're better familiar with not the ones but, in NXT. Not all, but most. Um, because they're homegrown. They're in the system where yeah. a lot of the women Very in the true. AEW side we're getting introduced to. So um, I do want to kind of go into this topic, though. We mentioned this uh, off mic. Um, when it comes to NXT versus AEW, and, and this will kind of be transitioning to AEW as they get ready for week four of Dynamite. And we touched on this last week too with NXT and AEW and the comparisons and the differences and why AEW in our minds were doing better. In your mind, CJ, where do you think NXT has to go from here? What do they have to have to do to really get to the next step? They have to step up the production game because AEW's production is amazing. It feels like it's just treated like a big deal I think and they need to get out of full sale as much as I hate to say that they need to get out of full sale they need to go to a bigger arena they need to they can keep the one arena thing and keep it going but like full sale only holds like what three or four hundred people if that maybe five hundred yeah so and AEW is performing to crowds that are in the thousands. Right. You know, they, I think they had like 5,000 in Boston. They had like 18. And that was their point. smallest. So far. Yeah, and I think uh, the one they, in Pittsburgh they, this weekend is going to hold like, or this week's going to hold like 11,000, I think. Like, they need to step up their game with the, the crowd and with the building, the production. That's where things really need to try and be different right they need to try and because again like WWE production knows how to handle wrestling but the thing is like another thing is that AEW has the has TNT they have a much bigger cable network helping them so there is that but they need to try and do something with the production to try and step up their game they need to try and put on more matches that will entice people to come onto the show. Not that they're not doing that with Roderick Strong defending the the North American title in a triple threat match against Lee and Dijakovic. It's a very good match to do. But in a way, it seems like they kind of just put all their eggs in one basket with that first two-hour episode, and the past two episodes haven't really been as good. Right. Whereas the past two episodes of AEW have been fantastic. Like, I loved the match between Darby Allen and Chris Jericho. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it really helped raise Darby Allen's stock. At one point, Jericho tied Allen's hands behind his back, and he was doing these amazing moves with arms tied behind, behind his back. He did a moonsault. From the middle rope, with his arms tied behind his back, a suicide dive into a flip onto Jericho. He did his uh, trust fall thing with his arms behind his back. Like, Darby Allen has become one of my favorite wrestlers in just a short amount of time that I've been watching him. I, I've mentioned that I, I'm, I was familiar with Darby Allen before he showed up. In AEW, I had known a little bit about him. I'd seen some clips here and there, but I'd never seen a full match, and I am a fan of Darby Allen. Darby Allen is awesome, and he is your world champion within the next year. Um, uh, and the tag team tournament's going well, too. 
I really liked Lucha Bros versus uh, Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy a lot. Uh, SCU and the Best Friends was good. It, it's clear that that the finals are going to be SCU and Lucha Brothers. Would you say? I would agree. Because they attacked Christopher Daniels before the match with the Best Friends, and Scorpio Sky had to come in. Um, Luchasaurus is injured currently, so Marco Stunt had to come in. And uh, now, do, now does that finals match include Christopher Daniels, or is he out of this whole thing? I don't think he's out of the whole thing. I think he, uh, kayfabe, he's injured. I would think right. in the end it will be Daniels and Kazarian because people have been waiting for they because I got excited when they announced it's gonna be Daniels and Kazarian. Daniels and Kazarian are a freaking great tag team. Like you, you and I saw them tag. Absolutely, they've been proving it. We for saw years. them tag together against. Uh, War Machine, which they were called at the time, uh, at ROH Final Battle. And ironically enough, that was the same night Scorpio Sky yes, debuted. Yes, and we all chanted, "Who are you?" And then he, we know who he is now. <laughs> and then a year later, they became one of my favorite things in wrestling. Right, and, and no disrespect to Scorpio Sky, I thought he did a great job with Kazarian as the tag champs in Ring of Honor. Um, but again, I mean, like you said, I think it's kind of like that homegrown feeling when you when you find out that it was going to be Kazarian and Daniels together uh, in the tag tournament. I certainly did because I know you really have never, not never pay much attention to, to TNA, but I used to. And they were one of my favorite tag teams in that division, especially around 2011, 2012, 2013. Uh, before they went to Ring of Honor, I loved that tag team. So I definitely was very excited to know that they were going to tag together in the tournament. Uh, I will be disappointed if Daniels doesn't find his way back in and it is just Scorpio Sky, especially if they end up winning, which I don't think they will. I think it's going to be Lucha Bros in the end. Um, but I was, just like you, I was excited when, uh, when I found out it was them. Uh, but for me, with, with NXT, because I know we were on that topic, I agree with you. They've got to get out of Full Sail. Um, we've seen them sell out. That We were at the first takeover outside of Full Sail, and there were 15, over 15,000 people there sold out uh, for the first NXT live event outside Full Sail. That was the night that they, could pr that they proved to themselves that they can do it. Uh, the production needs to be better. I agree. Um, but it's just a matter of I'm not sure if they should travel or just stick to the one building. It really... It doesn't matter to me at the moment except for just getting out of Full Sail. They have to be in a building where they can bring in more people. Their production has to be better because, like you said, when you compare the two on TV, I'm sorry, I'm turning on AEW every time. And to the point of, yeah, we, we, we know what's going on in NXT, but we're not glued to the TV like we are with Dynamite. And that, for NXT, that has to change or else... You know, you're going to look at this down the line. And like you said last week, CJ, and this really hit home with me, it, Full Sail was special for its purpose. You can do multiple tapings a day. You know, you can. it served its purpose, right? Multiple tapings a day. It wasn't live. The fans were special. Now you're live every week. Uh, when you're looking at an arena or, you know, a stadium that's TV-friendly, I'm sorry, Full Sail's not it when you're broadcasting in front of 500 people who, don't get me wrong, are loud. Uh, are great fans, don't get me wrong, but when you're doing that on live TV every week, it doesn't it doesn't get the viewer's attention as well as Dynamite has been getting. It worked um, as so like, I think uh, that's the biggest thing that has to change with them. You know, Full Sail as a purely like WWE network type of show. Uh, net, special network show every week. It worked like that, but it right. doesn't work live week to week as, as what we're seeing. Um, I think Meltzer has reported that they are looking into other right. arenas. It's just a matter of 
where and when they're trying to do this and how soon they can try and do this. Do you think if they do, they'll make a big deal of the last show at Full Sail? Um, maybe. Maybe. I, I feel like they would. I think there's a chance of that. I think if Triple H is running things, which obviously he is, I think he would try and sh- and uh, make things like special because Full Sail was the home of NXT for forever. Man. Like it- right, and it has served its purpose. Don't get me wrong. They, they wouldn't be where they are without it, but... It, it, it's a different time now. They're live every week. It, it can't be that way anymore. Um, it served its purpose for its time. I agree with you. A weekly special on the network every week was perfect. You can knock out three or four tapings a day. You can't do that anymore. And when you're on live network TV, that's not what executives and that's not what fans want to see. They want to see bigger crowds and bigger arenas. And if NXT doesn't step up and do that, I think they're going to be way at the bottom of this war. Whether, we, whether they want to call it that or not, you know, and they're already losing. And I shouldn't say losing, because like you said last week, WWE is never going away. No. But if you if you compare the last three weeks, it's AEW three, NXT zero. As far as the ratings go, as far as the actual, as far as the ratings, as yes. As, but but that's half the, that's half the battle. As far as it, if I'm looking at, go ahead. If I'm looking at something like, for example, the first week, I know that uh, AEW is going to be in the Capital One Arena that holds about sixteen thousand people, versus NXT that holds about five hundred people. I'm putting on AEW. Mm-hmm. And I have no desire to turn back. Especially because I know I can watch it later. Yeah, I know. You can do the same thing with AEW, though. Right, but again, it's the first show. It's live. It's in front of a big packed house in Washington, D.C. Um, and again, in NXT, when it's 500 people. And don't get me wrong, NXT had a great show on October 2nd. The ratings wouldn't show that necessarily. Because again, when it comes to the ratings, AEW's up 3 nothing. When it comes to the ratings, yes. When it comes to the show quality, I believe it's 2-1 AEW. For me personally, right. just because I'm basing them by how well how well the shows do, rather than how well the um, the ratings do. But but ratings are very important are very very important when it comes to television. To this day, they are still important, even though people love to stream. Absolutely, they were important they, 20 years they, ago, they, and they, they are people now. People love to stream and watch things online now. Like me, I don't watch NXT live every week. I watch on the network when it comes on. That's what I, that's what I do. Right. Um, and I watch AEW live. AEW, uh, NXT has to try and do something for me to change my mind. I don't think I ever will change my right. mind on that. But in a year from now, I'm, it might. We don't know. But we will s- have to see what NXT has to try and do. I think one thing that they really should not do, and it's probably only a matter of time before they do it, is have takeovers go up against AEW pay-per-views. Because... Yeah, we talked because on that I last think week. that's really where you're going to see. I think that's where things are going to see for the net for NXT, and I think things are going to kind of dwindle down. Because my biggest fear in this entire quote unquote war is us us losing NXT in the process. I think that's the yeah. biggest fear is us losing NXT. And, which also the real quick I don't mean to cut you off but the one thing that every wrestling fan has agreed on is we want to watch all of it it's not a matter of who's better and, and who's doing this and who's doing that and why am I not turning away we want it all I, to be good yeah I that's mean, the bottom line CM Punk said that in uh, similar to that in his uh, interview that he had all that weekend in StarCast he says don't let the companies make you choose a side you can watch Raw, you can watch SmackDown, you can watch NXT, you can watch AEW, you can watch it all, and it's effing awesome as a, as a fan. It's so yep. cool to be a wrestling fan right now. 
So watch. This is the best era of wrestling in the last 20 years. But again, the main reason why a mainstream audience doesn't think that is because of main roster WWE product. But, but if yep. you show someone who was a wrestling fan, you show them NXT, you show them AEW, you, you might maybe if you even show them New Japan Pro Wrestling, they might be like, ooh, what's this? This is pretty cool. Show them Impact Wrestling. Yeah, Impact's been great too the past, few, the past number of years. They've, re- they've right. really improved. I mean, Tessa Blanchard becoming like the biggest star in their company. Male or female. Exactly. So it is a great time to be a pro wrestling fan, but it's just a matter. But... I don't think pro wrestling will ever get to that point where it was back in the Attitude Era or even the Russo's Aggression Era. It has its potential, but I agree with you. I'd have to believe it when I see it. It just doesn't seem like it's going to be like that because it's just a lot of fans have just fallen off the radar. I think AEW can be the the company that brings fans back into wrestling for sure, and I think it, it already has. Well, that's what Jericho I think it already said. has to a certain degree. But I don't think right. it it can bring everybody back because tens of millions of people are watching week to week Raw uh, and Nitro, depending on what year it was, like every week. You know, it was a war. Um, From ninety seven to two thousand one, yeah. yeah. So it was a war, and again, it's a war again. And you could say those who don't learn from history uh, repeat themselves. You could say that. This is kind of on Vince because people, because WWE being complacent with their booking and their stories, not building on characters, not building new stars, and you got guys who are hungry like Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes and just being like, well, we just, we sold out an arena without WWE, without any big matches announced, and we did it in less than half an hour. What if we did this every week? and consistently made a product where people can enjoy. And getting a guy like, and having Chris Jericho adding fuel to the fire, it just makes things, makes casual, more casual viewers want to watch. Um, right. Again, for me, I just don't want NXT to go away or die out. For me, too, and, um, and you make good points there, and you kind of figure, you know, those who... You made a good point when you said this. Those who are don't learn from their mistakes or doing to repeat it. I almost feel a little disappointed in, in Triple H and Vince for this reason. Obviously, when it comes to a war like this, and again, whether they want to believe it or not, they're competing. You went back to the Attitude Era. WCW was kicking Vince's ass for, I believe, what was it? 83 weeks, if you didn't hear that already. Um... What did Vince do after, you know, when it came to the screw job? And really, a lot of people think that was the screw job that was the downfall of WCW because that's where the, the heel Mr. McMahon character was born. That's where the Attitude Era initially started, and they stepped up their game. I'm waiting for NXT to step up theirs. Because, again, like we said months ago when it came to AEW, this is going to help step up the WWE. I've yet to see it. We had a piss-poor draft. I'm going to say it right here. We had a piss-poor draft with the debut on Fox. It hasn't been that good. NXT has been decent, but again, I mean, the, the, the production quality is not that great for where they comparing are. It to AEW, and nobody has stepped AEW, up to the, the plate pro, yet. Because you, you put yes. any WWE show right now against AEW. Like looking at Raw right now, it's nowhere near the production level of AEW. AEW, I feel like I'm watching right. a movie almost. That's how good the production is. Uh, yes. For me, I think the, the death of the attitude, uh, uh, not the attitude era, but the death of uh, WCW is when they announced Mick Foley won the title, and then everybody just switched the channels. 
Um, that's and, that's also a good point. Yes, that was the initial like nail in the coffin. I don't think that's where it started. And I think you do realize that Vince yes. was cut. He in his mind he was cutting a babyface promo, right? That the night. That after, oh, against Brett. The night after the screw job. He, yeah, or it was the week after. But yeah, he clearly thought he was the babyface, and Brett was the bad guy going to WCW. Yeah, and Jim Cornette was like, "Are you are you serious right now? They got sympathy for Brett. He went to the newspapers. This, this, that. You're gonna look like a monster heel." And then they went with it, and it saved the company. But that's another thing that they don't do is they don't. We've talked about this before. They don't capture lightning in a bottle anymore. They don't. No, and they don't take advantage of opportunities. Anymore. No, they don't. It, like honestly, them taking advantage of that promo, saying, "You know what, Vince, you're not the babyface, you're the heel. Let's go with it. Let's make something out of it." That ultimately saved the WWF, now the WWE, and it beat WCW. That promo alone, where they were like, "Hey, I have an idea here. Let's go with this." Right? Can you imagine what wrestling would be like today if they didn't capitalize on that promo and Vince thought of himself as the babyface and we never got the Mr. McMahon heel character? Can you imagine what wrestling Everybody would be like today? For Nitro. Yep. For, for WC, yeah, for WCW. Nitro would have won the war easy. They were winning. Starcade easy. would be the big main, uh, the big WrestleMania weekend. It'd be Starcade weekend, right? Not WrestleMania in December, so there wouldn't be any football stadiums no, either. No, it, it's uh. Well, they'd be indoors. Yeah, but there aren't too many. But well, we probably would have never there seen aren't one. Any too many indoor arenas. Right. Well, you got you got indoor football stadiums with roofs now and baseball stadiums, but not in this area. We no, would have no, never seen not one at all. I mean, unless they put it in the garden. Well, we don't know. But the point is, if but, but my point is, if they didn't capitalize on that one storyline, I don't think WWE yeah. would be here today. And I think AEW. Again, like I said, I think they can be the ones to really, they to omit to draw in old fans, and not really bring an Attitude Era-esque type of rate ratings back, but to bring a lot of people back in and be like, oh, this is cool. Who are these guys? But, um, I don't know if you saw this, but recently, Randy Orton took to Instagram. He was at a hotel, and he took a picture of himself, took a selfie, of by an elevator, and it said, Elite. With a caption, Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. And he tagged Luke Harper, The Revival, Riddick Moss, and Elias. Looking at it right now Dawson, Wilder, Harper, Riddick Moss, Cody Rhodes, Chris Jericho, and Elias. And Brandy Orton has kind of. He's dwelled in there, being like, "Oh, I could go to AEW." Like, it's a lot of, it's a great way. Jericho said it's a great bargaining chip for a lot of guys in WWE to get more money. Mm-hmm. But let's just talk about this for a second. Okay. What do you think the chances of someday Randy Orton going to AEW? Hypothetically speaking. Hi. Really. Hi. All right, I want to hear this. Yep. What are your reasonings for it? I honestly think there will be a time, and I'm, and I'm not saying that he's you know complacent with his place in the company and he wants better or things like that, but I see a lot of Chris Jericho in Randy Orton where he's like, you know what, if this is as high as I'm going to go, let me prove myself somewhere else. you got to remember, Randy Orton, and, and another thing, Chris Jericho was nearing his 50s. Is Randy Orton even 40 yet? 
yeah, he's got many years to go. So, and yes, it does it does seem like a great bargaining chip for a lot of these guys, and a lot of guys get re-signed for big, for big contracts, and they get paid a lot of money, and they get the titles and things like that. But... Let's say we, you know, we don't get Randy Orton and Alistair Black this year at Mania for the Universal Title. Let's say we, let's say we never see a World Title run out of Randy Orton again. His contract's coming up in, I believe, the next year or two. I want to say, um, I could be wrong on that, but let's just say it is in the next year or two. I can absolutely see the jump. I see a lot of Jericho and him in that mindset of. I can do something else. I, I'm, I still am in the prime of my career. Well, maybe nearing the end of the prime of his career. But he's still 37 years old. He's still 37, 38 years old. You figure by the time the jump would happen, maybe he's not even 40 yet. I mean, there have been... Still got a lot in the tank for I mean, him. I absolutely see it as a chance. And I don't necessarily think of it as a bargaining chip either. I think if I honestly think that if he feels that he can do so much better... He'll be in AEW he's, the day he's after. He's had guys like the Revival and Luke Harper, guys who have been outwardly like they've like it's been reported, and even Luke Harper. Luke Harper's doing everything he can to get fired. Like the whole thing with his Twitter bio, he's saying like DMs are wide yeah. effing open. Like shit hit me up, and then like he had to, he had to keep changing it because WWE were getting mad at him. He's now the DMs are wide bleeping open, and I've never been more happy. He's doing everything he can to try and get fired because they split up Rowan and Rowan and him as a tag team again. They have nothing for him. Uh, the revival have they wanted to be released earlier this year, but they didn't, and that's when they finally started getting into these bigger main event tag matches, and they finally started winning the tag titles. But two that are very surprising are Elias and Riddick Moss. Riddick Moss in NXT really don't hear anything or even any like thing about Elias being unhappy with their contract. Apparently there have also been uh, things about Randy Orton being kind of complacent. He's not really crazy about what's going on in his contract at the moment with WWE. For me, I'm more on the side that Randy would use this as a bargaining chip rather mm -hmm. than him actually going to AEW. I, I feel like it's like... For me, it could go either way. But... I guess I'm more on the 60-40 uh, side, 60% more saying that he will go to uh, stay with WWE, 40% saying that he will go to uh, AEW. Um, I will say this. It would be the darkest day in WWE history if he made the jump. Because he... Or close because to it. Did, did you see that, that Twitch stream he did where he accidentally said the N-word? No, I did not, but I heard about it. <laughs> It was so funny. He's like, oh, that's just man. that's him just not giving a These, giving a you know what anymore. But then after he said it, he's just like, oh, 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 here we go. Like he, he realized, like, oh damn, I'm on, I'm on a live Twitch stream. Yeah, he's but like, then oh, he, I'm in trouble. But then he goes on to the guy who he's streaming with, and he's saying like, did you uh, you happen to catch uh, the uh, dynamite AEW AEW? He's like, and the guy's like, no, I didn't. He's like, I'll, I'll, he's like, I'll tell you, man, that they. Cody and all them guys, they put on a really great show. Like, Cody had a match with that uh, Sammy Guevara. Guevara? Guevara? He's like, Guevara. like he, I think Randy was a little drunk too. But he's like, but man, that kid is freaking great. I, I would love to work with that kid. He's he does some really, really fantastic things. So, he has interest to work with guys in the company who he's never worked before, obviously. Sammy Guevara is only in his early 20s, and Randy is like 38 years old. I think 
obviously, I think if Randy Orton had interest in going to AEW, they'd listen. Especially Cody, how close him and Cody are. Oh yeah. So they'd off. Put it this way, you, I, I don't know if you heard the story in Comic Con, but like when Dean Ambrose, now John Moxley, told Chris Jericho he was leaving the company, a few minutes later he was on the phone with Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes immediately called him because Chris probably texted him saying, "Hey, listen, John wants out. Uh, let's get this going." And within minutes he was on the phone with Cody Rhodes. Hmm. So I, I that. would expect the same for Randy Orton. I would think that like. Randy would call Cody personally. I Oh no no, he would. I would think. Because again, he's uh cuz again, like Randy was a mentor to uh to Cody growing uh in the up and coming days of his WWE run. And the, the, imagine the matches Randy Orton could have with guys in AEW. You know, him going against Kenny Omega, uh, going against Sammy Guevara, Going against, uh, you know, Hangman Page, Pack, you know, uh, John Moxley, Moxley now, uh, going up against, you know, teaming with somebody against the Young Bucks, you know. Uh, I'd actually J- personally J- love to Joey, see him and Cody Joey, go at it one more time. Cody, with no uh, restrictions. Joey Janela, Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc. Like, the list goes on and on of the the, the guys yeah. that he could work with. Imagine him and Cody with no restrictions. Oh, that'd be great. I'd love to see them go at it again. That could be almost as good as uh, him and Dustin. Yeah. I, Absolutely. And Randy Orton's already one of those guys who I think doesn't care. Could you imagine him just completely being like, there's like, Randy, you can do whatever you want, man. You know, just don't say the F word and, and you're good. <laughs> like, I would just love that. Because... Jericho's promo when he announced the new name of his faction, the Inner Circle, it was one of the best Jericho promos I've ever heard. Because it was a real promo. He got off track of it three times. He spoke from the heart, and he spoke as as Chris Jericho, as him. Yep. He it, like Steve Austin has always said the best character wrestling characters, they're yourself dialed up to eleven. And that's that's exactly yeah. what Jericho was two weeks ago. That's what Jer- that's exactly what Jericho has been since he started working with New Japan, and he left. Yep. Right and he the left Omega the match. WWE. So, Randy Orton, do we want to see him at AEW? Absolutely. Will it happen? Will it happen? It. Most likely not. Just saying. I think I, th- I just I just thought that'd be a f- that was a fun little thing to talk about because. It, it, it brought Absolutely. up a lot of speculation. Uh, right. Uh, real quickly, I guess, because we have been on here a little while, but yeah, we have to wrap up in a minute or two. All right, but real quickly, let's go. I'm gonna name some names. Give the likelihood of whether or not they will stay or go to AEW. Um, okay. Shinsuke Nakamura leaves. Daniel Bryan stays. They gave him his contract. They cleared him. He'll stay. The revival. Dude, that's that's neat. tough. I'm gonna go with for now. I'm gonna go with stays. Leave, for me Nakamura okay. leave. Brian stay. Revival leave. Um, Johnny Gargano stays. Yeah, stays. Um, Luke Harper. He's got. He's going. The minute minute he's out the door, he's he's gonna. Be <laughs> I know in the that building. is an easy one. 
That's super yeah, I was easy. Like, was, that a t- was that a trick question? That's super easy. Um, and I guess we'll end on this one because we started with him. Uh, Bray Wyatt. I'd love for them to do a similar fiend in AEW, but do it right. But I think he stays. I think he stays too. It would be interesting. I, I absolutely believe that, but uh, but I think he stays. All right. Um, and real quickly, uh, favorite thing about AEW, favorite thing about NXT at the moment? Favorite thing about AEW is the production. Um, like you said before, it's almost like a movie. Like you're watching like a Netflix series or something or, or a movie in, on screen. It's been amazing. Um, I absolutely love it. TNT obviously is a big help for them, which I know when it comes to guys like Cody and the Young Bucks who are a little inexperienced and Tony Khan behind the scenes, that's where they are there to help. Um, with NXT, the quality of matches. Uh, it hasn't changed uh, in the slightest. I like the title matches we're getting on TV, uh, let alone because I know we're not doing takeovers every month, but we're getting more title matches on TV. The quality of the matches have not changed. That's what I do like about that. I like it in a bigger venue, of course, but if you, if it's going to kind of be like you get one, you don't get the other, the quality of matches, at least that hasn't changed yet. So I like that. Okay. For me, my favorite thing about AEW at the moment is the inner circle on Jericho's faction. Uh, that and uh, John Moxley, what he's been doing. Uh, inner circle's been fantastic, but like what John Moxley has been like... I love just that he's just completely become unglued and he can finally be himself again. And he hasn't even done that much in AEW. You, you watch you watch some of the stuff in New Japan. It's slightly different, but but AEW John Moxley. He is reborn. You know, he have he was having a release yes. at Double or Nothing, and he and he looked like he was finally having fun again, and he finally could be himself as a as a person, as a wrestler, as a character, rather than some hokey, crazy, wacky guy. You know, the Inner Circle I think is a great faction to. Because you got a guy like Jericho, who clearly is the veteran, the leader. You got a young upstart like Sammy Guevara, the high flyer, the tag team in Santana and Ortiz, uh, Jake Hager, with a former WWE guy, but like has this this MMA persona, and just if he's just strictly uses the muscle of the group, then that's perfectly fine. Uh, NXT, my favorite thing, uh, Undisputed Era, just having all the gold, uh, them with their work, and uh, Champa being back. That's probably my favorite thing going on NXT and um, uh, commentary NXT. The commentary NXT I think is fantastic, and so is commentary in AEW. Um, well, Taz is uh, returning. For yeah, AEW Dark I heard about that. I I'm very very uh, I'm very happy about that. But if I was Triple H, I would do everything I try and can to get Taz in NXT. And yeah, why not? Um, well, ah, damn, I forgot. You got Nigel McGuinness. Nigel McGuinness is great. Because I was thinking as if Percy Watson was on the commentary team, but he's been gone. No, he got fired like He's been gone forever. I forgot about that. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... I, And I never liked him anyway. mm, Percy Watson was okay. I just couldn't stand Byron Saxon. I never liked him. Um, uh, you know what they should do is they should get Taz to try and come back to WWE because, again, commentary is just terrible. Well, he does have a full-time job with CBS Sports Radio right now, so that's going to be tough for him to do. Right. And he but does mornings there too, so. All right, but that should be interesting. Yeah. Hearing Taz, hearing Taz back on uh, commentary. Right. I, I, th- I think he's one of the more underrated guys in commentary. Absolutely. 
Him, him and Cole were actually a really great team. And they actually made everything sound interesting. Like, overselling the RKO was awesome. Mm-hmm. Taz just not just not caring at all. And he just, watch out, watch cur- out, watch out! He, he would curse whenever. It's like, oh my god, holy sh... And then he just, <laughs> he just... He just curses all the time. It's he did great. did it in TNA a lot, too. Oh, yeah. Taz doesn't care. He just didn't care. If That's you go on YouTube Taz. and you search how many times he said holy S on the air, you probably find like eight or nine different examples. <laughs> Oh, Taz, he's just, he's such a gem. Anyway, that should wrap it up for us here on I the so. Mother Wrestling Podcast. Uh, we've rambled enough tonight, CJ. Um, so, yeah. uh, coming up in the next few weeks, obviously we well we're gonna have uh, predictions next week for Crown Jewel. Obviously, that's coming up next Thursday. Uh, Yay! Damn. Um, at, least it, at least it at least it kind of gets it. us ready for Survivor Series. Yeah, I can't wait not to watch that. Yeah, me either. Um, so we'll we'll touch on Raw and SmackDown this week for, and uh, discuss what went good, what went bad. AEW versus NXT. More of that next week as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of that and more. So for the Not Another Wrestling Podcast for Sean McChesney. Wait, 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 Sean. Wait, what? Don't just end us yet. We have to. We have to be cheap. We have to give our cheap plugs. We have to tell them where they can find us. All right. Well, CJ, you were always very good at that. Why don't you do it? Okay. You can follow us on Twitter, the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Like us on Facebook at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. You can listen to us on all a bunch of different uh, podcast formats on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Anchor.fm. Uh, I'm forgetting the other ones, but those are the main ones you really have to listen to. Oh, and Spotify. Those are the big ones. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Those are the big ones you can listen to. Um, so uh, Download, subscribe. Uh, that helps out with numbers and everything. So, uh, yeah, you can go back to what you're doing, Sean. Okay, very good. <laughs> well, no, it's just because you always did the plugs, too. So, yeah, I did forget yeah, about that last week. We're getting so. back into the groove. So Exactly. For Sean McChesney. And CJ Palmasano. We'll see you next time.